Good morning. Last Sunday we began this series called Missional God, Missional Church. And the idea behind the series is that the church has a mission because Jesus had a mission. And we believe one of the missions that God is giving us is at Remount Baptist Church in North Charleston. We told you about that last Sunday. And today we want to remind you that there is a prayer guide available at all of the exits. You should be able to pick one of these up. It really is just a bio on all the different staff members that have moved to that area and moved to that church to help revitalize that church. We want to introduce you to this staff and allow or ask you to pray for this staff. And those watching online, if you'd like a copy of this, if you'll just email us, we'll be happy to send you a copy as well. My dad's lifelong friend was a man named Hurley, and Hurley lived right beside of us as I was growing up. Years ago, my dad told me the story of he and Hurley going away on a weekend fishing trip. Remember now, I grew up in Johnson City, Tennessee, and dad and Hurley decided to go away on a weekend fishing trip to a place called Santee Cooper. I had never heard of Santee Cooper. I didn't know what that was or where that was. Uh, but they were pretty excited about going. And they drove to Santee Cooper on, I think, probably a Friday. And it was about a five or six hour drive. And, and uh, they talked a lot, of course, as they were driving to Santee. And, and when they got there, the weather was bad. They were not able to go out into the boat that they had rented. And so that night, Dad was laying in bed thinking about the day, thinking about the conversation that they had driving down, thinking of the fact that Hurley was such a good man and he was such a good friend. But then coming to the realization that Hurley was lost and Dad had never really shared his faith with Hurley. As he lay there, he thought, you know, we could go out tomorrow and there could be another storm. We could go out in the boat and there could be another storm. Something could happen and Hurley could drown. And I've never talked to him about his sins and his need to ask Christ into his life. So Dad became so burdened as he lay there in the middle of the night thinking about Hurley and what a good man he was, what a good friend he was, but never shared Christ with him. Dad becomes so burdened that in the middle of the night, he went in and woke Hurley up. And he said, Hurley, you're my friend, and we've talked about a lot of things over the years, but Hurley, I've never talked to you about your spiritual condition, and I believe God wants me to, so I woke you up. Imagine how that would be an eye-opening experience. Dad sat there on the bed beside Hurley and told Hurley about Jesus, and he told Hurley, how much Jesus loved him, and he told Hurley what he needed to do to receive Christ. And Dad's burden was so great as he was talking to Hurley that he began to cry. And he later told me about this experience. He said, Keith, I, I eventually started crying so much I couldn't even talk. And there in that little fishing trailer on the shores of Santee Cooper, Hurley turned down God's invitation to salvation. In fact, Hurley couldn't stand it, and he got up, and he walked out. And in the middle of the night, he started walking around the lake of Santee. Eventually came back, and he said, Shorter, I appreciate you being concerned about me. And that was the end of it. Jesus once told a story about Hurley. You may not have realized that. But you can read this story in Luke chapter 14. Would you open God's Word? To Luke chapter 14. 
As you turn to that text, I want to kind of give you the context of the parable we're going to be reading, the story we're going to be reading. There's actually two stories in chapter 14, and you need to kind of understand the first story so that you can understand the second story. So it begins chapter 14, verse 1, that Jesus went to eat at the house of a prominent Pharisee. Here's how Luke writes it in Luke chapter 14, verse 1. One Sabbath... When Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. How would you like to have Jesus in your house as a dinner guest? Talk about trying to make sure everything was clean and everything was in order. I mean, that would be a pressure-packed thing. And so, as he was there, Luke makes mention that Jesus could tell he was being watched. He could probably kind of feel the eyeballs on him. People were watching him closely. But what they didn't know was that Jesus was also watching them. Look in verse 7. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. In other words, Jesus was watching them, and he noticed that people were maneuvering trying to get the best seats. They were maneuvering trying to get the places of honor. And so in response to that, he tells a parable. And we're not going to look at that particular parable. I'm just trying to give you the context. So after the parable, Jesus then speaks directly to the host. Beginning in verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, and watch what he says here, When you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Remember those four descriptions. You're going to see it later in another parable. Jesus said, now, when you give a banquet, just a word of advice to his host. Next time you give a banquet, don't don't invite the rich and the powerful. Don't invite the prominent. In fact, next time you give a banquet, invite the needy. Invite the people that can't pay you back. In fact, he goes on to say, Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now, somebody at that banquet, as they're watching Jesus and listening to Jesus, somebody at the banquet got inspired to say something. And so, they said in verse 15, When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Let me give you the background on that phrase, eating at the feast at the kingdom of God. The future kingdom of God is often associated with a feast. That is, the future kingdom of God, the time when we eventually uh, have eternity in heaven, it's often illustrated as a feast. Let me show you this, for example, in chapter 13 of Luke. Just go over one chapter, and chapter 13, and look at verse 29. Chapter 13, verse 29. This is Jesus speaking. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus said people will come from from the four corners of the world one day. They will be coming from the four corners of the world to participate in this feast in heaven with the heavenly Father. It's not the only time Jesus spoke about that. In Matthew chapter 8, 8, verse 11, Jesus said, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, they will, let me tell you something else about this feast, this heavenly feast, this heavenly banquet. People like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are going to be there. Now, of course, God's going to be there. Jesus is going to be there. That's, that's plenty. But Jesus said, 
but also people from all over are going to come and they will sit down with people like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at this heavenly banquet. And do you remember on the last night Jesus spent with his disciples, we call it the Last Supper, that one of the things he said to them was, uh, I'm not going to eat any more of this bread or drink any more of this cup until the day that I eat it with you in the presence of God. He was talking about this heavenly banquet. So all through the scriptures, we see this picture, this illustration, if you will. In fact, in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, chapter 19, verse 9, it says, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Who are invited, a key word, who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Now that's the background behind this statement that this man makes in chapter uh, 14. Verse 15, when he said, one of those at the table with him heard this, and he said to Jesus, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. This man was just inspired. He said, I'm telling you something. It's going to be a fortunate man indeed that gets to eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. And in response to that statement, Jesus then tells a parable or or a story, an illustration that we call the parable of the great banquet. And I want to read that with you, beginning in verse 16. Follow along, please. Verse 16, Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done. But there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now there are three truths in this parable that we all need to hear. And here's the first truth. People often turn down God's invitation. That's hard to believe, but it's true. Hurley did, and more than likely some of you know someone who has as well. Maybe it's a son or a daughter, and you've talked to them about your faith in Christ, but they wanted nothing to do with it. Maybe it was a friend or a neighbor, and you tried to share your faith in Christ, but they had excuses, and they said, no, I'm not ready. People do that all the time. People turn down God's gracious invitation. Now, that's what was happening in this parable that Jesus told. He uses this story to illustrate that people indeed do turn down God's invitation. Now let me explain the first half of this parable to you. It was customary in Jesus' day to actually send out two invitations. Now track with me on this. It's very customary to send out two invitations. And the reason was quite simple. You, You see, in the age when people had no watches and time was kind of elastic, you invited guests to a dinner to find out how many were coming. But you didn't tell them what time. You didn't track time like that. So you might be invited. If I was the host, I might say, hey, I'm going to have a dinner tomorrow. Would you like to come? The first invitation is that. I'm going to have a dinner tomorrow. Would you like to come? 
Yes, I'd be happy to come. That's the first invitation. The second invitation comes once I get the dinner ready. So tomorrow, once the dinner is almost ready, then I would send out the service to say, hey, it, the dinner is ready. Come, it's, it's time to eat. That's the second invitation. That's what's happening in verses 16 and 17. Follow closely. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. That was the first invitation. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. The second invitation was to tell them dinner was ready. But instead of eagerly coming to the dinner, something interesting happens. Jesus said that the invited guest all began to make excuses for why they couldn't come. Look at verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. Now, have you heard the phrase, lame excuses? You've probably made some lame excuses before. These are some lame excuses, if I've ever seen any. Verse 18. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. How many of you have ever bought a piece of property that you've never looked at? Talk about a lame excuse. I mean, that really is a lame excuse. Listen, I, listen, I plan to come to the dinner, but you know, I just bought this piece of property. I need to go look at it. That's a lame excuse, but it gets worse. Look at the next one. Another one said, verse 19, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You bought five yokes of five yoke of oxen and you haven't even tried them out? That's a lame excuse. But it gets even worse. Look at the next one. Still another said, verse 20, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. I'm not going to touch that one. I'm not getting in trouble today. But but you can come up with your own explanation there. He said, Hey, I just got married, enough said. I can't come. There's so much I could say about that, but I'm not going to. The point is this. Jesus said when they were invited, when they got the second invitation, they all made, and Jesus uses this word, they all made excuses. We make excuses all the time, don't we? We're used to it. It's part of our society. Remember when you were dating? Somebody wanted you to go out on a date, and and you had to come up with an excuse because you didn't want to. You didn't want to go out with him or her. It's like, well, I'm sorry, I've got to take my hamster to get a haircut. I, I can't do it. <laughs> or you make excuses when you're late for work. Or you make excuses for not doing your homework. Or like me, you make excuses for not exercising. Or you make excuses for not texting someone back or not calling someone back. I like Billy Sunday's definition of an excuse. Billy Sunday said an excuse is the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. That's pretty good. The skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. All the excuses in this parable boil down to people saying one thing. I'm sorry, I've got something better to do. I'm sorry, I've got to go check out my land. I've got something better to do. I'm sorry, I've got to go check out my oxen. I've got something better to do. I'm sorry, I got married. i got something better to do. Do you realize that every time that you say no to God's invitation, you're in essence saying to God, I've got something better to do. People often turn God down. People often turn down God's invitation. And the reason I know that is because I did that for a while. When I was around 10, 11 years of age, my dad twice witnessed to me 
One time was at the corner of Broadway and Maine, and one time was on a lake on the side of a lake we were fishing. Two times my dad witnessed to me, and in both times, I said no. But in reality, I was not just saying no to my dad. In reality, I was saying no to God. Two times, God gave me that invitation through my father, and I said no to my heavenly father. And I said to dad, my excuse was, I'm not ready. I'm just not sure why, but dad, I'm just not ready. And I said no. And looking back on it now, I'm sure that my mom and dad had a heavy heart as I continued to turn down the gospel. As I continued to say no to God. And here's the sad truth. Not everybody who hears the gospel will respond to the gospel. I wish it was different. But I've seen it and you've seen it. And maybe you've seen it in your family too. That not everyone who hears the gospel will respond to the gospel. In fact, did you know that they even turned down Jesus? Do you remember the story of the rich young ruler? He came to Jesus one day. He's very interested in spiritual things. Very interested in how he can come to faith in God. And, and Jesus tells him what he needs to do. And the Bible says that he went away sad. Because he was a very wealthy man. And he didn't want to do what Jesus said to do. You see, people often turn down God's invitation. And many times, they have an excuse for why they're turning him down. That's what Jesus is talking about here. That many times, God will give people the invitation to His great heavenly banquet. And sometimes they will hear the invitation, they will intend to do it, but then they come up with an excuse for why they can't. At least why they can't right now. What should our response be to the hurlies of this world who look at the tears in our eyes and then say no to God's invitation? Well, that's the second point I want you to get. This is so important. Here's the second point. Never let those who say no keep you from those who still need to be invited. As you go back to the parable, verse 21. After the excuses, the servant came back and reported this to the master. Told the master about the people making excuses. And then the owner of his house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Does that sound familiar, those four descriptions? Remember Jesus used those same words up in verse 13? And so the master now says, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told him, told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. What do you do when somebody looks you in the eye and says, no, I'm not ready. No, I'm not interested. No, I'm not going to do that. What do you do with, when people do that? The logical thing to do would be just to give up. The logical thing would be to respond to the thoughts bouncing around in your mind. Thoughts like, you're making a fool of yourself. You need to shut up. Or the thought, nobody's interested in this stuff. Or the thought, why are you harassing him? Or why are you harassing her? That may be the logical thing to do, but it is not the godly thing to do. We should never let those who refuse God's invitation, we should never let those who seem disinterested in the things of God stop us from reaching out to those who still need God's invitation. That's the clear message in the second half of this parable. In verses 21 through 23, Jesus portrayed God as an anxious host. Did you notice that as we were reading it? You notice how Jesus portrays God in verses 21 through 23 as an anxious host? 
Look at it again. Read it carefully. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, and the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, What you've ordered has been done. There's still room. Then the master told the servant, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. Why is the master so anxious? Why is he so determined for people to come to the banquet? I believe there's one very clear reason. He is anxious because he knows what they're missing. He knows what he has prepared for them. And he knows what they're missing. And so he says, I want you to go out to the country lanes and the alleys and go everywhere you can go, talk to everybody you can talk to. Verse 23, he says, so that my house may be full. Jesus was saying God is like the master in this story. He knows that heaven is too good to miss. So he wants us to do everything possible to bring as many people as possible to the banquet. Now, don't misunderstand verse 23. I hope somebody will get ready to say amen here. Don't misunderstand verse 23 where Jesus says in the parable, so that my house may be full. Don't misunderstand that verse. Our goal is not to populate the church. Our goal is to populate heaven. Our goal should be to empty hell and populate heaven. We can't let people die and go to hell and miss the glories of heaven without at least inviting them to the banquet. Everybody, everybody at least deserves an invitation to the banquet. And one of the reasons that I believe God's calling us to remount Baptist Church and to help that church come alive again in North Charleston is because when you go in that neighborhood, it sounds an awful lot like the people in verse 21 through 23. Jesus said, go out to the streets and the alleys. Go out to the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Go out to the people that others have forgotten. Go out to the people that others have marginalized. Go out to the other people that others have overlooked. Go out to the people that others have not given an invitation to anything. Invite them to my banquet. You see, the people of North Charleston, people living in that neighborhood around that church, they deserve to be invited to the banquet of God. So we want to help that church come alive again so that they can work in that neighborhood and invite people to the banquet of God. And if you read verses 21 through 23, it's very interesting that basically what you have in verses 21 through 23 is a summary of the life of Jesus. Of the life and work of Jesus. Now I want you to remember as we look at these verses one final time, I want you to remember that there are how many invitations? Two invitations. God's first invitation had gone out through the Old Testament prophets. God's first invitation was the Old Testament prophets talking about the Messiah to come, God's heavenly banquet to come. The first invitation was accepted by the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders. They believed the Old Testament prophets. They believed that there was a day coming. There would be a great heavenly feast. They believed that God would send Messiah. The, the first invitation was accepted. God's second invitation came from His Son. The Jewish leaders made excuses and declined that invitation. They made excuses and did not believe that Jesus was Messiah. 
They declined. They made excuses for the second invitation. So, watch what happened. The master in the story, in verses 21 through 23, the master in the story sent his servant out into the streets to invite people to come to the banquet. And that is indeed what God did in the life of Jesus. God literally sent Jesus into the streets of Galilee and into the streets of Judea to invite a a needy world to God's heavenly banquet. He walked all over Galilee. He walked all over Judea. He walked all over Samaria, meeting needy people and inviting them to God's heavenly banquet. See, we should never let those who say no keep us from those who still need to be invited to God's heavenly banquet. There's a third point that I wish I didn't have to tell you about. But this parable ends on a somber note. This parable ends with a somber note in verse 24. A somber verdict on those who were first invited and then made excuses. Look what Jesus says about them in verse 24. I tell you, not one of these men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Here's the third point I wish I didn't have to tell you. The time will come when God will stop inviting. Jesus, in telling this parable, made it very clear there'd be no second chance for those who made excuses and said no to God's invitation. The Living Bible translates verse 24 this way, For none of those I invited first will get even the smallest taste of what I had prepared for them. This story may be your story. We often resist God's invitation to this banquet because it's inconvenient. We often resist God's invitation to this heavenly banquet because we don't have time, because we're not ready, and we have our excuses ready our excuses for why we're resisting, our excuses for why we are delaying responding to God's invitation. Hurley's excuse was that he was just as good as a lot of Christians that he knew. That was his excuse. I've preached this message twice already today, and every time after, at the end of the service, somebody has come to me after both services to say, all right, I need to ask you a question. Did Hurley ever put his faith in Christ? And the answer is, I don't know. I hope he did. What I do know is this. In a little fishing trailer on the shore of Santee Cooper, he was invited to do just that. And he turned down God's invitation. I really hopefully believe that somewhere later in life, maybe he said yes. But I don't know. Also do know this, God warns us all not to make excuses. The time will come when God may stop inviting. The time will come when it will be too late for us to do anything about it. And we will miss out on what God could have done. We will miss out on the banquet God had prepared for us. Wouldn't it be tragic to have an empty seat at the banquet? You could have sat in. But you said no. I want you to know the feast has been spread. The invitation is free. And you have been invited. Don't settle for something less than God. Don't let good things keep you from enjoying the best thing that could ever happen to you. 
Don't let your excuses cause you to miss heaven. Because here's what you need to know. God is going to have a heavenly banquet. And He invites anyone and everyone to receive His invitation. To say yes to His invitation. But not everybody says yes. Some give excuses. But Jesus in the story said, and one day, He'll stop inviting I want you to bow your heads with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. For those here in the sanctuary and those watching online, we're going to close the service a little differently today. As I was preparing this message about the invitation, I could not help but, but think, you know what? We need to make sure we give everyone an invitation to say yes to Jesus. And so here's what you need to understand today. Here in the sanctuary, those at home, Jesus has done everything that needs to be done for you to have a relationship with God. He died on the cross for your sins. God rose Him from the grave. And He now offers you an invitation to God's heavenly banquet. It's engraved with your name on it. And He's offering that to you All you have to do is by faith accept it. By faith receive it. By faith claim it as yours. That He did that for you. That He made the way possible for you to go to this heavenly banquet. And now in this moment of decision, you have to decide what to do with that invitation. In this moment of decision, you have to decide whether you will say yes and receive gladly God's invitation. Or if you're going to say no. Those two times that I said no to my father, my earthly father, when he was witnessing to me, I was in essence saying no to God. I'm so glad that when I was 11 years old, I finally said yes. Gladly, freely, I said yes to God's invitation. One Sunday morning, something like this one. And you can do that today as well. You can say yes to God. And today, here's how we're going to end the service. I'm going to be down front. We're going to sing a song called Just As I Am. And as we're singing that song, I'm going to be here to receive you. If you'd like to pray to receive Christ, I'm going to be here to help you. Or if you'd like to, you can come and get on this altar. Spread out, try to distance and all of that. But you can come pray for somebody. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a grandparent. Maybe it's a son or a daughter. Maybe it's a friend or a co-worker. And you know that you've, trust, that you've shared Christ, but they've never trusted Christ. They've always had an excuse. They've always had a reason why they're not ready. Not now. Not yet. Maybe you just want to come, as my earthly father did many times as he prayed for me, I'm sure. Maybe you want to come and pray for your son or your daughter or your, your friend. So this altar is going to be open for everyone to come and pray. Or if you want to come and I'll help you as you trust Christ as your Savior. For those watching online, you can make that same commitment right where you are. You can trust Christ right there in your living room or wherever you may be watching. That prayer from your heart expressing your desire to receive God's free gift. To receive God's invitation. To say yes. God, I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ today. Would you do that right where you are right now? 
Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm grateful for those who are here today and those that are watching online. And I'm most grateful, Father, that you have given us all an invitation to that great heavenly banquet. I pray that somebody today will say yes to you. And I ask it in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.